What's going on, Bears fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Rule of Three podcast with myself, Robert Schmitz, and Danny Meehan, and Brandon Robinson here to talk you through some Bears stuff on this beautiful Thanksgiving day. Well, technically it's a Wednesday, but we're bringing this to you on Thanksgiving, so we are thankful for you, our listeners, and I'll tell you one thing, I want I want so badly, guys, to be thankful for Bears football, but I just recently got a friend of mine into watching the NFL. He normally doesn't watch almost any sports, but he started watching Bears games with me starting around New Orleans, where his first taste of guy. Bears football was listening to Troy Aikman and Joe Buck talk about how every aspect of the Bears offense was, and I quote, the worst thing they'd ever seen in the NFL. So then along comes the Tennessee game which is a nightmare. And then along comes the Vikings game, which is a nightmare. And by the end of it, he's muttering things to me like, if you don't like a swing pass for one yard, you don't like Bears football. And I'm like, ah, what has this team become? So what you're and saying is your friend became the Sacramento Kings announcer announcing Kings games. If you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball. <laughs> More or less, but it was just so sad to see this team through a new person's perspective, where as we're watching uh, the Packers play the Colts and go into overtime in a great game where both teams are racing up and down the field, he's looking at me like, why in the world aren't the Bears even close to this? And I'm looking back like, man, I I could tell you, but it'd take a while, uh, or at least I think so. It's it's just incredible to see how rotten out from the inside this offense looks because honestly I'm shocked they walked away with six points which is weird to say but th that's how I'm feeling so far on this day of thanks what about you guys well I I think like what I've been saying and what Nagy there was a quote from Nagy saying that he was excited to see what Bill Lazor could do. So I think I think he, what he was saying was I'm excited for, for you guys to see that it wasn't all just on me. So I'm I'm happy that he was justified that it's not it wasn't his play calling that really hurt them. It was the offensive line. It was the quarterback, and more so the offensive line, just because we we know what Nick Foles is and we know what he's not going to do without a great offensive line. So. I, I think I think we can move on as blaming Nagy and start blaming other people like Pace. Danny, I saw you smile in the middle of him saying that. Do you have a thought you'd like to share with the class? Um, <laughs> not really. I mean, it's kind of the same thing as everybody else. Like we, it's easy to blame Nagy. I've I've got my own issues with Nagy, as I've stated on this show. It's not, I've always liked Matt Nagy, but. You can like somebody and also point out their issues. It's like having a friend who you're like, he's good, but when he gets drunk, he likes to fight people. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has one of those. Yeah, like, oh, he's a great guy, except when he drinks, he kind of finds random guys at the bar and he punches them in the face. You know, it's a problem, but it's all right. But overall, like, we knew this roster was flawed coming into it, and we knew the quarterback situation was flawed. The, the sad truth of it is, 
Mitch isn't going to be a different guy if he plays this week. He's not going to magically know how to read, digest, and, and react to a defense. Nick Foles isn't going to magically get Mitch's above average of athleticism. The offense is what it is. The only good thing about it is a few of your wide receivers. Your offensive line was pedestrian at its best when you were coming in, even though the first couple games offered a glimmer of hope that Luis, that Luis Castillo, geez. Juan Castillo came in and made some stuff better. Jimmy's and Joe's, but more than X and O's, every day of the week. And you're just now seeing when guys that are probably backups on most teams, like Jermaine Afedi and like... I don't know. Take who's Rashad the right? Coward. Not, Not Rashad Coward because he would be on the street on any other team. Yeah. So <laughs> backups to back backups to guys who would be backups and backups backups who would normally be on the street aren't good at football. They weren't good at football thirty years ago. They're not good at football now. Like and so at a certain point, like I get what Pace was trying to do and trying to extract every last piece of this defense for that last title run and hoping that Mitch would figure it out this year. That was a fool's errand. And I'll admit, just like probably like both of you, I know were excited. The the Robert Quinn's signing excited the hell out of me. And I was on this show the first four weeks of the season thinking the Robert Quinn game is coming. The Robert Quinn game is coming. It it's probably not gonna come at this point. The rule, like our our name is named from the rule of three pass rushing thought that you have three great pass rushers. Eventually, someone's going to get home. This is a flawed roster, especially on two thirds of the ball. I, I don't even think special teams is any good, and the defense is awesome, and that's without the guy you spent an absorbent amount of money on, who's over thirty, has one sack this year, and that was on his first play as a Bear, and you're relying on. Not just probably a bad offense for this year, but you're probably talking about a historically bad offense in a league designed to let you score points. Where if a quarterback underthrows a football to a receiver streaking downfield and has to stop and turn around, and the defender has no time to react and try to turn his head, that's a pass interference if he runs into him. Not yep. his fault. It's a, just how the league is called. And mind you, the Bears did everything from the coaching hire to the trading up for the quarterback to the trading up for Anthony Miller to the trading up for Darnell Mooney to everything, and this is what you get. The probable worst offense in the entire NFL, and that is an indictment on the guy running your football operations, which is, of course, Ted Phillips. I mean, what? <laughs> yep. I mean, but you know. when the team you can't score on immediately goes out and gives up 25, 30 points. It's never a good look, right? <laughs> and ten Tennessee did that to Indianapolis. So Indianapolis came in and rolled them up. Uh, and then Minnesota did us a favor and got destroyed by the Titan quarterback that is Andy Dalton, who up until now has been completely ineffective under center. But he played Real. the Vikings, the team that the Bears last played, and, oh, man, they got blown up. It's it's almost like the Bears' offense is so bad at the moment, it's suckering defenses into thinking they're pretty good, and then they maybe take the edge off and so, film I don't know. I'm totally the, joking the, around. The thing I would, would like to – and, Robert, you and I have talked about this offline before, where 
this is where as much as the sins of the offensive roster are on pace, a lot of the, my big issue with the guy I really harbored or lobbied for in, in a Negi is even pedestrian offenses have something they do that they can just call and hang their damn hat on. In the three years Matt Nagy's been calling offense, the most you can say is he had smoke and mirrors his first year, where he had the cool stuff and the fun stuff like Santa's sleigh and his version of Philly Philly that Doug Peterson later called in the Super Bowl or whatever. That's all well and good. But what in the hell do you do when nothing else is working? Like when the Titans need four yards, what do they do? All right, you know what? Here's Derrick Henry. Stop him. All three times. I need four yards after, or I need five yards, let's see it, say after an encroachment penalty. Mm-hmm. Just to keep, what am I going to do? I'm just going to turn around and hand it to him three times in a row. And he's going to get five yards because you can't stop it. Why is it so hard for this team to develop any sort of offensive identity? And that's an indictment on coaching. Well, yeah. I mean, one thing that's driven me crazy is, so Wendy City Gridiron does the, uh, like, three or your keys to the game and they send us an email and we write in what we think are the keys to the game on offense and defense and for the Vikings game my key to the game was please just execute the called play because we can't even talk strategy with this offense anymore given that about half the time or not not a full half closer to a third the like a receiver is going to run the wrong route or a lineman's going to step the wrong way on a line adjustment, or somebody's not going to end up where they're supposed to be. Like, for instance, when Nick Foles seemingly threw the ball to nowhere on third down early in the Vikings game, come to find out it's a double China look where Cole Kmet ran a fly route and should have run an inside dig to clear out a man for Anthony Miller who bumps into Kmet because he has no idea he's going to be there. And as much as I'd love to bag on the rookie tight end for this, this has happened to everybody at some point this season. Darnell Mooney, one of the most studious guys on the team, got caught out of position. Nick Foles has been left flabbergasted, and he's been on like 11 teams in the NFL, obvious hyperbole, so we know who he is. Uh, Allen Robinson's been caught out of position. Anthony Miller's run a lot of wrong routes. So when Cole Kmet, Mr. Playbook himself, Rashad Coward, Jermaine Fady, and plenty of others, if you want me to name you a full list, I could keep going, keep ending up out of assignment I'm looking at a guy who or like I'm looking at an offense in Matt Nagy like I'm looking at a pitcher in baseball whose curveball doesn't curve his slider doesn't slide his fastball isn't fast and I'm not complaining about pitch selection because they all kind of keep coming out like the same meatball and then the best part is so let's say we only run about 66 percent of our plays correctly well they're not good either Like, our running game at the moment, if I take out the quarterback runs, which doesn't help, it actually hurts more than you'd think, we are (laughs) toting the rock at three and a half yards per carry this season in 2020. And we're throwing the ball at about six yards per throw. This is, this is bad. This is not enough to build an offense on. And I'm just, I don't know what to say because going back or coming full circle, they asked me for my keys to the game this week. It's the same thing it was. Get to the line execute the play call because it you have to do that before you can attack linebackers and isolate defensive backs and actually change things you have to be able to execute something go ahead b 
I think one of the problems that isn't talked about is how much they're switching the offense. Like they came into the season and they wanted to run 12 and 13 personnel and run outside zone. And they had a little bit of success on the ground with that. And then injuries started to pile up and they switched the quarterback. And now they're running a completely different offense where they're running with only one tight end on the field, lighter personnel, and they're trying to throw the ball more. And that's also not working because they have no one on the offensive line anymore because everybody's injured. And so now they're stuck in this spot where they have no idea what they want to run, but but they're trying to put in new plays of things that they think will work, but these are new plays. You can't really do that in the NFL because guys need practice. And as as the years go on, there's less and less practice. And I agree with you, B. And I, but I think that's it's kind of like a secular – it's a vicious circle, as they say. They keep changing the offense because they've never really known what they wanted to do. They keep – they don't have any bread and butter. Like, we're coming to Thanksgiving, right? What's the first thing you grab for Thanksgiving dinner? The bread and the butter. That's the start of everything. I was going to say the mashed potatoes, but I get what you mean. Shut (laughs) up. Don't ruin my analogy. I love the mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving. We have a clean and safe Thanksgiving, In my family, for 30 years, we've – the bread gets there, then the side dishes and the entrees. That's awesome. So that's how it works. Don't ruin my analogy again. (laughs) Um, But – they don't have anything. And so when you're constantly trying to find that thing you do, you're going to look like this, all disjointed and dysfunctional and strange. And I would love to just blame that on, well, they had a weird training camp with COVID-19 and everything. But this is the third year of it where it's like, what is your identity? Like, it, it's really revisionist history to say, but go back to the Lovey Smith years. The offense sucked. It did suck, but you know what they did? You knew what they were going to do. They had a bread and butter. They were going to put their fullback out there. They were going to put Thomas Jones behind the fullback, and they were going to hand the ball off. Mm-hmm. Is it sexy? No. Is it effective? In its own way, not really. But did it win Lovey a lot of football games? Yeah, it did. But that was also because they knew what they wanted to do, and they didn't try to run from their identity. They don't have an identity. Mm -hmm. And that's the most frustrating part for me as a fan. And I'm not sitting here pounding the table saying, let's go back to power football. No, I want the high-flying, cool, spread-coast offense. At the end of the day, you can't do it. What's the problem? Why why is this such a hard thing for Nagy to, like, sit down, no matter who the quarterback is, this is our offense. If you want to do the 12 and 13 personnel thing with Mitch, do it with Foles. Well, so that's this is where this is where it gets really complicated, right? And by complicated, unfortunately, I just mean like there's a lot of failure points because I'll give you an example, okay? So the Bears wanted to run outside zone. It's not a hard scheme. To my understanding, people run it at high school level. Uh, uh-huh. It's it's not that it's – and I don't mean that to demean outside zone. It's more that it's just not banana crazy. The trouble is, of course, that then they faced the Indianapolis Colts. They tried to run outside zone on them. And DeForest Buckner and or the rest of a very good Indianapolis line tore them wide open. It was a waste of first and second down, and it completely annihilated our game plan. A lot of people have said, Matt Nagy tried to change the offense too much. I have railed on Nagy for quite a while. That one wasn't on him. 
because he actually ran what had been working, and they just got crushed. So why do I bring this up? Why is it a big deal? Well, because if you go back to watch Detroit, and you guys have seen it, if you can run outside zone correctly, you can run power traps off of it that start to look like outside zone and catch guys out of position. You can get defenders to lean one way and use misdirection to play off of it. But when your main thing doesn't work, Dan, to your image, like when your bread isn't very good, then you get predictable because you're going to change to stale bread at Thanksgiving. Yeah, and and you're going to change to something. (laughs) So then your trap play becomes anticipatable because what else are you going to do, right? Are you going to keep coming at them with outside zone and keep losing yards? And and it bubbles back it bubbles back in a lot of ways. While I'd love to say it bubbles back to coaching, we have now seen weeks of Jermaine Afedi, and he's just not that great. And if I looked at this out or this offensive line right now, with what, Alex Bars and Rashad Coward and Eric Cush is now our offensive line savior, and we're hoping Sam Mustafer comes back, and Cody Whitehair has been a massive regression case, and debatably our best lineman is either Charles Leno or Bobby Massey, which is really where we're at. Like, guys, I mean, this isn't an offensive line that I would bet to run on anybody either. Like, not without a dynamic passing attack booing it. Maybe Russell Wilson could get, like, a running game going be- just by nature of being Russell Wilson. But our quarterbacks are Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. We knew that wasn't an option coming into this thing, you know? I'm it's- just mad I missed an opportunity when you said lean with it to hit you with the rock with it. I'm just <laughs> – I'm really mad at myself right now. I think I think that's what frustrates me the most is I am really mad that Matt Nagy in three years, did you guys know that if you take the quarterbacks out, he has gone from 3.91 yards per carry to 3.55 yards per carry to 3.32 yards per carry from 18 to 19 to 20. So running game has only gotten worse. But also, to Brandon's point, the talent on the offensive line is pretty abysmal right now. And that and as goes much- back to your... Your mm-hmm. guy at the top, and as yeah. much as as much as we would love to talk about how you need to manufacture a running scheme and how the Bengals did it with only five guys, and how to be totally fair, Zach Taylor had hit those five backup offensive linemen like in gear. They were hitting their marks in a way that I haven't seen the Bears' offensive linemen do so. I'd also look you guys dead in the eyes and say the Bengals did have Joe Burrow, which in and of himself is a case for we also more investment in offensive that- line. Any running back on this roster touches Joe Mixon? Like no, <laughs> but but I think Joe, okay, Giovanni so, Bernard took most of that load that day. But even he, even he would probably be our starter. Immediately. He's probably running back one in Chicago. I mean, which is it, sad. Exactly. We have an inside zone running back, like an exclusive inside zone running back that is now being asked to run outside zone. We have a defensive tackle who's being asked to start at now three positions on the offensive line. Three positions. We we have. To our, our our offensive line five and six were if you count Spriggs and Afedi busts on other teams, which I mean that's great for a reclamation project. It's this team is just so complicated to watch and to talk about because the last thing I ever want to do. I think you guys have known me long enough to know that I'm I consider myself a pretty positive person and I try to be negative where necessary because I think speaking the truth is key or at least trying to. But this team right now. Getting excited about Mitch Trubisky beating the Packers, if he pulls off a miracle and does, he probably knocks us out of a top 10 draft spot. If he doesn't, 
well, now you've just switched from Matt Nagy to Bill Lazor and nothing changed but the quarterback version. So then what? What's left? Because I know Bears fans want to be hopeful. We wait seven months for football season to start. We wait seven long months to do this again. And I don't want it to end early either, but I don't know how it's not over. You know? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, and I guess the only thing I can equivalent this to as a Bears fan is this offense is as bad as the Trestman second-year defense was, where the defense had a couple names you recognized, like Briggs and trying to remember another guy on that team like that defense it's been a few years I think Peanut might have still been on that team before he went to Carolina yeah but I think uh what was the the small guy's name Tim Jennings was Tim he Jennings? Still on that yeah Henner Jen mm-hmm. my guy my my tough nosed outside corner but <laughs> he he was against Brandon's brand of football he hit people but um, yeah Brandon things that hit are not valuable not on not on Brandon's brand <laughs> no but that team defense the second year under Tressman gave up back-to-back I want to say 50 burgers to the Patriots they went on to bye week and then got a 50 burger dropped on them by the Packers this offense is going to be I think the same way where I wouldn't be shocked if they scored six points went into bye came back and scored nine points Mm -hmm. like that's just where we're at I'm actually interested to see what this offense looks like just because I think it gets healthier because I expect Kush to play. I expect Spriggs to play. So I think the offensive line will get a little better. But then you factor in, like, Bill Lazor, you you think that he'd still call the plays. And then you factor in Mitch Trubisky. He's probably going to be the quarterback this week. And so you – we like, and there's no way what the offense is going to look like. Like, are they going to go back oh, to I'll tell you 12 and 13 personnel outside zone, can or are they going to try to run the? I don't know. Like, can we all agree? Fear. There's no way Trubisky's shoulder is totally healthy. Oh, just no. like how there's no way Nick Foles' hip is totally healthy. Kyle like, slaughter season. Sometimes I feel like people forget that, though, you know? Like, healthy enough to play in a football sense does not necessarily mean no discomfort and you're fine. And I understand that there are going to be a whole lot of people that are going to say, Trubisky needed surgery on his left shoulder. What are you talking about? Why didn't you forgive him for that in 2019? And I'd look at you and I'd say he needed it on his other shoulder. Like, I get that there's discomfort in a spot that doesn't matter, but the hip for a quarterback is a massive load-bearing point for any time you throw, as is it is Trubisky's throwing shoulder that that got hurt, right? I think Uh, part of it is also, like... Especially with this fan base where it's, where Trubisky is very much an enigma, where it's, it's either you tend to love him or you hate him kind of thing, where people want to be given that grace period with him because they love him. Mitch is universally, whether even if you think he's a bad quarterback, you probably still think he's a decent dude. Like, But it's just this idea that everybody's hurt right now. Even if you're healthy, you're uncomfortable and probably in some sort of pain because football's a violent, ugly game. There's no one that's healthy in the NFL right now. Even guys that aren't on the injury report, I promise you, they're not that healthy. They're they're mm-hmm. banged up. Football is a awful, brutal game. But mm-hmm. they're going to be more inclined to give to apologize for Mitch than if you were to throw Foles out there with his hip and apologize for Foles. Yep. I mean, at this point it's almost about absolving blame. It is. 
and it's again, do, do any of us on this show think Mitch is particularly good? I don't. Absolutely not. Brandon not, doesn't. I know you don't. Yeah, like, not good enough to keep. Better, better than some people like to make him out. Probably not good enough to be a quarterback two in this league. Probably not. I mean, he he would struggle as a quarterback too because it seems like he struggles to learn offenses. But heck, I don't know. Yeah, it's, and it's not for saying like, oh, I dislike this guy. I don't. I think he's a bad quarterback. Right. But for some reason, this team is like, with especially with Mitch. People want everything to be perfect for him. And when so it's like people are like, when we bring up that Foles has always needed a good offensive line, people would turn to, well, why didn't you make that excuse for Mitch? It's because Mitch needs everything. He need, Mitch needs a great group of wide receivers, awesome tight ends, an awesome running game, and great offensive line. So he needs a perfect offense is what you're saying in order to succeed. If you need a perfect offense in order to succeed, odds are, you're not good at your job. Well, not to turn this into Mitch too much, but the issue is is that if you did actually give Mitch absolutely everything, right, could he hit his throws 15 yards downfield consistently? No. I'm actually not sure anymore. No. So if he did have 10 all-pros on his offensive line, how good would the offense be due to Mitch instead of around Mitch? Good question. But either way, we've gone on just a hair too long without giving the sponsors a word, so we'll step aside and we'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Stolen Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Stolen Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we are back. This is the Rule of Three podcast once again with myself, Robert Schmitz, Brandon Robinson, and Danny Meehan here talking to you about some bears on this Thanksgiving right here as the bye week comes to a close. And, you know, Danny, we went into the break talking a little bit about Mitch Trubisky, and I've got a tweet uh, pulled up from my conversation offline with Bill Zimmerman that I think actually speaks to part of why this city loves Mitch as much as they do, and it makes a lot of sense, right? If you think about it, and I want you to stew on this, I'll read everything, there is an almost concrete argument that whatever you think of Mitch Trubisky, he is a top 10 Bears quarterback of all time. 
mm-hmm. and that's probably the worst part about it. Like, Jim Miller had a good year, and he made the playoffs and lost to Philly, but Mitch's year in 2018 was better than that. The 70s, they were devoid of any horrific or of any quarterback play. The Harbaugh was bad. McMahon and Cutler were probably better. Mitch is better than Bill Wade, but at least Wade won a title, so sure, put him ahead. Ed Brown, Luckman, Lou Jack probably goes in there, but Mitch probably comes in I'm again. Really taking Bill's words here, here. like he probably comes in at seventh or eighth all time. So yeah. while I totally get what you mean, it takes eyes around the whole league to see where Mitch stands. Because if you compare him to other Bears quarterbacks, the Foleses and the Glennons of the world fit a lot more with McCown and the rest of these guys we've watched play in Navy and Orange than Mitch, who at least he's sprightly. Like, we didn't even have that for a long stretch of time. Doesn't that kind of hurt? Yeah, well, it just goes to show you that the Bears tradition lies in two positions linebackers and running backs and uh, offensive line I guess if you're being fair but overall the Bears just it's we were actually talking about this offline a little bit I think B was there I had just jumped into the conversation too for whatever reason and I can't quite pinpoint it it's not like a mentality thing of the city they've tried to become modern when Pace came here he said we're going to we're going to do this and do that, and we're going to become modern. And they tried it before with Emery hiring Mark Tressman, who, I, who I'm very just, ugh. Like, they've tried to become modern and do the modern football thing for whatever reason. It just won't work here, and that's because the quarterback always sucks. Like, and I get I get it. Finding a an elite quarterback is damn near impossible. Finding a good quarterback is hard enough on its own. Like, and I think even as, I know I'm at a certain, in a certain way, like, ready for just consistency. If I knew every week I would get just 200 yards and a touchdown from my quarterback, and I didn't feel like he was going to piddle down his leg, I would take some solace in that. It's not a great year. It's like, what, 200 yards a game times 16 is 3,200 yards, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not a good year. No, but it's it's better than what we got. Like, and that it's that's not what I'm pining for. I don't want people to hear that. It's like at a certain point you feel like that's what you would settle for. Two fifty two is still relatively low. Like two fifty two one. Let's go with that, right? Two fifty yards. So that's a four thousand yard season. Which before anybody goes, whoa, that's all. Bears have never had a four thousand yard passer. That's average. That's like dead center average is hitting exactly four thousand yards. So then thirty two touchdown year and sixteen interceptions, two one int ratio. Like that's it's so a good year. He's paying in Chicago. Average. It's amazing. You yeah. know, Bears have never had a four thousand yard quarterback ever. Nope. I don't know, Brandon, you got any thoughts here? Well, I'm excited for Mitch to get another shot. Just you think about the person. Not really because I want Mitch to be good or, like, anything like that or, like, I think he's going to be right. good. But just for Mitch, the person, like, I'm I'm guessing he, he's in the in the rehab room just working as hard as he possibly can to get his throwing shoulder right and to get another shot. So, I mean, I, I hope just for him as a person it works out. But, yeah, I just don't think it will. And you you can't hope he he figures it out and has a spark and can rekindle something in his career. But maybe you don't want it for this part of the season either because every loss or every every win hurts. 
and like now us. and now I'm having a nightmare where he puts it all together for the final stretch and they extend him. But, <laughs> I mean, maybe, but at least then we would probably be like, no, no, yes, 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 yes. So, like, for a little while, obviously bad, and then turns around. It's like the whole, like, no, don't shoot it. Don't shoot. Great shot. It's that whole bit. But the trouble is, is that, I mean, I feel bad for Mitch. I do. It's not that I even... It's not that I necessarily think he would have been great in another system because we did try that system and he still misread coverages again or in the first three weeks of the season. He wasn't bad. I know I was talking to y'all in week two trying to say that Mitch had one of the best games of his career and y'all thought I was bananas against the Giants. But then, he, they, of course, he went up against one of the worst passing defenses in football and in half of a game, Foles doubled his score. Uh, and that's it's never a good look. But so... I think the biggest issue that I have with all this, just to circle and talk about something that's like backwards positive, right, is I'll bring up another Zimmerman question. He he asked me to think about the top five guys on defense and compare them talent-wise to the top five guys on offense. And I think you could do this with the whole thing, like take them the next five and the next five because that gets even or like crazier, but... I thought about how good, in no particular order, I think you guys are going to agree with this, right? How how good Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, Akeem Hicks, and Kyle Fuller are, and how many guys that even leaves off of a very good defense, and compared that to who we have on offense, even just assume health for a second, just for the sake of comparison, and the talent gap between the two is a little more than just notable, if not outright obvious. I mean, it it stinks to be where we're at, because sure, do I think the Matt Nagy offense would look better than this with better talent? Yeah, but at the same time, everybody's offense looks better than this right now. The Jets just scored 26 points. Week before that, I think they scored 24. Uh, the Patriots offense got off the ground. They're doing solid stuff now. Like, a whole lot of these other offenses that at least we felt like we were commiserating with, they've left the bar, and we're paying the tab alone. And it <laughs> Too many, it There's sucks. a lot of references going on in this show. Well, you know, when you when you get sad, what else, or where else do you go? But so, it's, uh, that's obviously not, not safe drinking policy. Don't follow that. That was a joke. But so, <laughs> anyways, uh, all, all that to say that I think the part that breaks my heart the most about this whole regime is that the Bears actually have put together a pretty good defense, and they've done so through um, incredible spending, like a lot of spending in both draft picks and dollars. But pieces like Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, uh, and other drafted pieces on this defense are awesome. And you just wish things could have worked out for the offense. And, hey, we'll see. they got six games left. But, man, did Tennessee and Minnesota feel very final because I don't know how they – I don't know, as we transition into a preview piece, how they expect to succeed on a Sunday night get-right game for the Packers as they just try to shake off a tough, tough loss to Indianapolis and move through their rival Bears. You know what's really kind – of, before we move on to that, you know what's really kind of funny about Indianapolis? That's the team Bears fans want. Yeah. They're, they're running it down your throat repeatedly. How are they doing that with a bad offensive line, Dan? The, oh, no. they have a very good offensive Damn line. Damn it! That, <laughs> and the most transcendent lineman in football that's moving people at left guard every week, that guy, 
He had three holding penalties against the Packers. I don't even care. Amazing in a league that doesn't call holding. Holding, yeah. <laughs> Too bad they weren't playing the Bears front. Honestly, honestly, that is crazy. I don't even care. I, if you told me Quentin Nelson's walking through those doors tomorrow, I'm jumping for joy and running naked down Michigan Avenue. But <laughs> I didn't want to imagine that, but I did. You're welcome. <laughs> Brandon, I don't even think you know where Michigan Avenue is. It's okay. I do. Thank you very much. <laughs> The running image is enough. I don't need anything else either. Now I'm imagining it. Dan, I didn't need this. You're welcome. I, well, I don't need to watch Mr. Trubisky throw footballs but, again, but we're going to get that, aren't we? You know, what I will say about Mitch that I totally understand is that when he does it right, he does it right. Like, if you cobbled together an exclusive highlight reel of Mitch Trubisky doing things correctly, he'd look like a beast. And, in fact, that's what a lot of his college tape looked like, right? The best form of Mitch Trubisky. Didn't I do that with literally any guy that gets spot starts where if you just compilize all his good throws together, he looks like a competent quarterback? Maybe, but if I showed you a whole bunch of the things that make Nick Foles good, do you go, oh, he looks good? Or do you go, wow, he looks amazing? There's there's a little bit of a difference when a guy scampers. Yeah, but every guy looks good on a highlight reel. Brandon's an armchair just like I am if – <laughs> Every dude looks awesome when you look at his highlights. I'm not trying to make the case for Mitch. You guys know my uh, thoughts on it. Uh, Robert loves Mitch Trubisky confirmed at him at Robert Cashman. It's exclusively <laughs> me just talking about how I get it where when people say, I see the potential in Trubisky, it's like, So yeah, you get I mean, the blind optimism kind of thing in a, in No, a it's sense? just, it's it's seeing a ceiling in All I'm saying is in a certain place. sense. I'm just saying in a certain in, sense. In a certain sense, it's... It's taking specific plays like that one where he rolled out and threw, or in the Detroit game, I'm sure you guys remember, mid-second quarter, I think, where he rolled out of the pocket and fired a dart to Allen Robinson that would have been caught had Robinson's right hand not been held behind his back by the defensive back. Like, those plays, if you watch that over and over and over, you can convince yourself that there's a ceiling world where he does that all the time. Yeah, or the guy in green and yellow did like, yeah. all the time. The, the, or the uh, 2019 throw to Taylor Gabriel against the Redskins. Exactly. That throw. And you're just like, holy crap. Why can't you do that all the time? And the answer is because he's not good. Right. Because consistency is what makes history, as silly as it sounds. It's not the, just the ability to flash. But, I mean, I guess at some point, do we need to talk about the cheese guys? Like, the the Packers? Because yeah, I'm shocked they haven't. I'm shocked. I'm shocked they haven't flexed these guys this game out. Like I wish not, they would. I wish, I wish they would. I hate not, not because like I just like Sunday night kickoffs. Give me, give I me a new kickoff. I would rather see the Ravens and Steelers in prime time. Honestly, like that's just. <laughs> I, I'm, sure. I'm just amazed they're making me wait all all day to watch the. <laughs> they're Bears making me game. waste my Sunday night on this. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I hope we don't sound, dear listener, like we're trying to be too negative. There's just so much going for this Packers team. Like, even against Jason Spriggs, you think Zadarius Smith is scared of Jason Spriggs? Like, you think think Preston Smith is all too worried about Charles Leno? Because Preston Smith plays better against Leno than than Zadarius does. You think Kenny Clark has any issue seeing Rashad Coward line up across from him? Because, Brandon, you talk... You talk about how Cush is playing, and I'll remind you that Rashad Coward played all last year, and they have found a way to start him at every opportunity, even if it means shifting his position this he, year. Do you think I mean, he has, like, dirt on Negi? <laughs> I, I don't know. 
But it's like they clearly think they have something in him. Like, clearly. Well, there's the no other explanation. With, with James Big Cat Williams in the 90s, took a defensive tackle and made him a decade-long starting right tackle. Could happen right. again, Robert. Could happen Could. again. Could. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's the sort of thing where, like, I look at this Packers front four, and it matches up so well against this Bears offensive line, which, don't get me wrong, plenty of, plenty of teams do. But Detroit, you know, we may actually be able to block them. Like, Jacksonville, it, it's better than this. Houston, probably a problem. But Green Bay, probably the worst left on the schedule, in my opinion, when it comes to defensive front fours and with a team that is basically playing with, like, two cardboard cutouts and three offensive linemen, maybe two and a half. Uh, that's bad. That's bad for either quarterback. Yeah, and it's just, like, the Packers' weakness on defense is also – the Bears' weakness on offense. Like, they just can't run the ball, and the Packers can't stop the run because they don't care about stopping the run. And it's just like, how are they going to produce offense? Mm-hmm. I mean, not to the one thing you would think that you would like to exploit is the same thing that Colts did, but that, again, it's because they can block. Their inside linebackers are garbage in Green Bay. They're mm-hmm. horrendous. Well, and they usually only have one on the field. One on the field, right. So if you're if you're willing to just say, hey, here's my three three interior linemen, let's move Kenny Clark out of the way, which obviously is easier said than done. But you can do that. Like It's possible. This, the Packers' defense, for all the hoopla and the press and everything they got last year and coming into this year with the, with the Smith brothers and Kenny Clark and Mike Pettin's exotic blitzes and stuff like that, they're not that great. They're okay, I think. Like they're nothing special though. They're not. They're a very they're not beatable. wild. No, it's that's what I'm saying. Like, but well, and oh, the Bears couldn't score on the damn Titans. I've started to feel bad for a lot of these defensive coordinators because I look at somebody like, for instance, so Chuck Pagano in Chicago is a special case because people want to take Buster Screen and they want to just send him to the moon because he has one bad game. And in Chicago, if you have a bad game on defense, you are a stain on the city. We treat defense a little differently than other people. But uh, you compare that to, like, Tampa Bay, which is just oozing with talent. Like, I think Todd Bowles is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Todd but Bowles is a phenomenal football coach. Phenomenal football coach. But I think we'd also agree that, that that offense or that defense is almost like Madden mode put together. Like Antoine Winfield, Levante David, that four, front four that's just amazing, Dean on the outside. They, they've got so much talent. It's stupefying. And when when we finally realized that the Packers' defensive backs were not not really that special, yeah, of course it hurt the Petten defense. Like, you can't do everything with the front four nowadays. But here's the scary part, right? Because I almost would tell you guys that the Packers' defense doesn't matter. This Bears' defense is, or this Bears offense has managed to get shut out by, more or less shut out, shut down, probably a better word, yeah. by the Vikings, who aren't very good, and the Titans, who aren't very good. So let's turn our eyes to what matters, right? Let's turn to the Packers' offense. How well can the Bears' offense stop them? Well, let me ask you guys, okay? Which do you think has happened more? The Packers scoring less than 30 points or the Packers scoring more than 39 points? So in the 40s, which has happened more? Um, I would say probably in the 40s. They're probably scoring in the 40s more times than not. Brandon? That's not what I would normally guess, but that seems like 
that's what you're setting up to say. Yeah, it's tied. They have one game where they scored 10, one game where they scored 22, and then a 42 and a 43-point game. So this Packers offense cooks on offense and with the, and, and with Devonte adams aaron jones aaron, or aaron Rodgers on what seems like a revenge tour and just solid foundation from the interior offensive line out i'm not surprised but i am disappointed as a bears fan and even a good defensive day looks like it might be holding green bay to under 30 and if the packers score 28 points I'm gonna go ahead and call game, guys. And like I don't here's, think here's well, and here's the most sobering thing about it. We always talked about, and I I hate the idea that the defense needs to cause turnovers. It's not a game plan. It's a hope. You can't game plan turnovers. You can game plan the hope for them, but that's it. They got the turnovers last game. They still couldn't score. What yep. are you gonna do if Rodgers gives the ball away less than any quarterback in football? What are you going to do? The Bears offense last game, to your point, I can't believe I didn't put it this way, but they managed to spit on the grave of the 2005 season as Cordero Patterson scored with the ghost of Devin Hester leading the way. He sure did. And Hell they, yeah. Uh, like, and then they, they picked off two passes in a league that just doesn't seem like it's turning the ball over that much, or maybe just a defense that isn't, and and still they couldn't win. Like, this is an offense right now that if Mitch comes back and gives the spark of 14 points, it's not enough. Like, even that would be a huge improvement, and it wouldn't be enough. Because this Packers team means way too much business. I was hoping earlier in the season that they would slow down, and Aaron Rodgers is defying reality. And here in, what, is he 36? He's looking immeasurably better than he did at 34, way better than he did at 35, and all of a sudden, this guy may have three years of life left in him. Like, this is insane. And it always seems like he, he enjoys having really good games against the Bears. Like, it just, it always seems like he enjoys it way too much. And it just all, it just seems like it's set up for that scenario. Like, the, 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 the 31 to 13 type game. Oh, yeah, and and the worst part is, like you're talking about, he hides that smirk. Like, you'll see it on the field, and then he'll yeah, go to the oh press conference God. and be like, yeah. I don't know, I kind of just, I kind of, you know, I spent Thanksgiving with my family, took the day off afterwards, finally rolled in around Saturday. Coach told me the game plan. I'm like, God, we're playing Chicago. Don't worry about it. And then they just came out and steamrolled us. I mean, like you're talking about, Aaron Rodgers has never been one to leave salt out of the wound when it comes to his relationship with the city of Chicago, did and that see, doesn't bode well here. Did you say that he was having Thanksgiving with his family? Oh, you're right. No, no, no I, I just I was gonna I wanted to confirm that you said that. I'm I, I sure did. Aaron Rodgers has a tremendous family relationship. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Does he have the same family structure as Mitch Trubisky and his '95 Camry? <sighs> Man, I, I can't help it. When that's the big reason and sticking point, that Adam John sometimes article from a couple of years ago, that he's got tremendous family structure as a big reason. I don't care if you have, or if you're an orphan, have one parent, or come from the best family on planet Earth. Don't make that a reason you pick a guy, unless he's a criminal. <laughs> like, unless he's like, oh, he he ran away from home despite great structure. He he stabbed a guy in an alley and he ran away and stole, robbed a bank. But he's good at football. Like, 
You could still convince me on that quarterback. <laughs> you could still convince me on that quarterback. Brandon's like, that was actually Zach Wilson. How'd well, well, there's the guy. Speaking of quarterbacks, guys, like I think the biggest problem going into this Packers game, and it was it's the same one I had going into this Vikings game. So I took a look at the rest of the schedule, and I'm sure you all have too, and I'm sure you guys have seen what I've seen, right? The entire NFC East is deadlocked at three wins, but they all still have a whole bunch of games left against each other. Getting to five wins is not impossible for a lot of them. And if the Giants do what the Giants do, and they stick with Daniel Jones, then that just means that the Washington football team needs to win the division so that they're a little behind us. But it's doable. It's possible. Al- or, uh, Alex Smith came out, beat the, or beat the uh, Lions. Did they shut them out? Because I haven't seen that in the modern NFL in forever, and I'm shocked Patricia kept his job, just by the way. But so... Uh, all this to say, I could go to New England friends how that helps. Bob <laughs> could, Quinn and Matt Patricia. I could go through and I could talk through this with you guys if you wanted to hear the like specific breakdown. But while the Bears sure aren't catching, uh, they're not catching the Jets, no way. And they're not catching the Jacksonville Jaguars, more than likely. The Bears could end up the third or fourth quarterback needy team in the draft, sitting somewhere between number seven and number ten, and be in striking distance of a Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance type if they wanted to, and if the guy falls to them. But to do so, they have to lose every single one of their games. Like they can't they can't beat Houston, they can't beat Jacksonville, they can't beat the Lions. They can't beat the Vikings. They have to lose to everybody. I and just don't think that's possible. The well, only the one that is, doesn't seem like the only one that comes into question is the Jags for me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I want to lose just I, as bad as we would in that moment. I just, I still, especially if Mitch is playing, you're playing Detroit. Mitch loves to beat up on the kitties. Uh, when you get Galladay back, you get Swift Beating back. kitties and kissing titties. <laughs> 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 I I hate myself. Okay. Um but in reality Bears defense is good to the point of and this is a big Bill Zimmerman quote that he's said a lot. The defense is good enough to beat anybody, the offense is bad enough to lose to anybody. You have a 50-50 shot in probably every game. Uh, because that defense is so damn good. And what's wild is, like, it all seems like it comes off of momentum, right? So that's technically true. But, man, if they keep doing what they've been doing on offense, the Jets would beat them. And, and, like, you, know, and you know what, Robert? You know what's – we might get surprised this weekend. Maybe. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But even Vegas is showing the money is hammering the Packers to destroy them. The Bears are down to a plus eight-and-a-half dog. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't bet lines. I play money lines and player props. I don't really like lines that much. Mm-hmm. But when you see plus eight and a half, I'm sure B being the better gambler than I am. When you see plus eight and a half with that defense, isn't it hard to not be like, man? No, nah, like, not for me. Like, <laughs> but it's just like you I, won't have my money on the Bears anytime soon. 
I'm not going to bet it. Baker I'm saying I've plus thirteen and a half. I still wouldn't bet it on the Bears. No, plus thirteen and a half. I'm giving it's money. trouble, but Dan, think about it. Like, what's the Bears' solution to Devontae Adams? Is it Jalen Johnson? Because while I love Jalen Johnson, that's a mismatch and a half. Is it Kyle? I'm going to sit on the moon. You're going to run your route from Earth like uh, Fuller. Probably not there either. So you're allowing Devontae I'm Adams. I'm not free saying release. there's a there's an answer for anything. But I'm telling you, the defense isn't going to just come out and get just big brother. They're not going to get thrown around. They're too good. Well, so they're not going to get big brothered, but I'll say this, and I hate saying it, but you already alluded it to the top of the show, right? Their pass rush is nowhere near as ferocious as I expected them to be. Like, it went from what I thought was going to be a top five unit to a top 20 unit. Like but somewhere most in of there? the stats say they're still closer to top two or three. And do most they, though? Because most, sure pa- most, most of the win rate stats that I'm seeing have them around 18th, 19th, 22nd. Oh, you're saying for just win rate. I'm saying like just yardage and stuff. They're still one of the oh. best defenses in football. Well, their coverage but, unit might be the best in football. Aside you're from talking about pure pass rush. I'm talking about yeah, just oh, the so pass We were rush. talking about two different things. No, the pass rush is not that great. But we also know Khalil Mack likes to play against the Packers. Yes. And we also know Khalil Mack, as we saw in Tampa, against a good offensive line, when he wants to ruin a game, he can ruin a game for you. Mm -hmm. And Tampa beat the hell out of Green Bay. And I'm not making the the assumption, like, the equivalency. But we beat Tampa Bay by one, who beat Green Bay by 28, 29-point victory. Incoming. That's exactly how it works. No, I'm just saying, I'm not. Ex- I don't expect the Bears to win this game by any stretch. I don't expect them to get blown out though, because I don't think the defense is going to allow. It. It's going to be your typical frustrating Bears game where you're just sitting there saying, if they could just score a touchdown offensively, because they the Bears defense lives in the most unfair world of unfair worlds. It's the same world that the Craig Krenzel led Bears led. If we let up anything more than nine points, it's over. Ugh, and it sucks because you're right. And the worst part is I think the wake-up is going to come when Bears fans are settling down like the butt in the seat is really starting to imprint itself. It's going to be about 8.05 Central Time B. I'm so curious to hear what you think about this. Aaron Jones is going to have about 45 yards, maybe 35 at that point in the game. This is like the late first quarter. And Dan – you know it's going to happen too. Aaron Rodgers, he's going to go back to hand off to Aaron Jones. No, it's not. It's a play-action pass. As he sits down and he looks downfield, a second goes by. Two seconds go by. Three seconds go by. You're starting to sweat. Four seconds go by. And Aaron Rodgers unloads. And there's Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 85 yards downfield it feels like, hauling a pass in, breaking a tackle because Deshaun Gibson decided to just sit on the 40-yard number and just that's good enough. So he gets beat over the top. Scantling just charges right on into the end zone. Nobody near him. And Bears fans are like, how could you let this happen? And that's where my heart has broken with this pass rush because in 2018, you could count on that never happening. And in 2020? I'll tell you what's going to happen then. As much as we doubt it, the Quinn game is going to happen. He's going to show up and get three or four sacks. Well, that's that's just, huge. <laughs> but that's the worst possible scenario. We've gone over this all show. One play, 
I think he'll get his one play. That's really all I'm saying. If it's three it's or not, four sacks? Oh, oh, you're talking about Quinn. I'm talking about all Rodgers needs is time once, and oh, yeah, somebody absolutely. will shake open downfield. Well, I mean, we still. I'm sure we all remember. I think it was Jordy streaking down the sideline with no one around him. Or no, it was Randall Cobb, right, to end the end the playoff. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, do you remember? Do you remember the 2019 class. edition where the Bears got away with exactly the play I'm describing to Marquez or to Valdez Scantling, and he, VC just dropped it, didn't he? Well, that's like he the does. ball was he drops. He drops passes, <laughs> and he also fumbles the ball in key situations. That he does that too. That one hurt. Like that one hurt me to my football core. <laughs> Brandon, what do you? But think not about really. That? But not really. No, but, but not, not really. really. No, you know, you laugh at, at Packers disset. Remember. Before Brandon gets to his point, anytime a Packers fan wants to rub something in your face, just say you've wasted two Hall of Fame careers of two Super Bowls. Congratulations. Brandon, what do you see about this game? I I mean, I see a blowout. I see 31-13. I, like, this, this Packers offense is clicking. I mean, they scored, what, was it 28 points in the first half against Colts? I mean, they mm-hmm. went really conservative in the second half, and it cost them. But they still scored those 28 points. So I don't really see the offense putting much together with Mitch at quarterback, unfortunately. So I see them scoring, like, at most 13 points. And I see the the Packers having their way with a defense that isn't producing a pass rush. Holy and, smokes. Brandon, they did. They scored 28 points in the first half against yeah. a defense that I think had shut us out up until, yeah. like, the the dying light of the game. Yeah, so that's just not that's not that's not good. And <laughs> no, it's not. And like the worst said, part I, is, I the think worst part is they third. scored that twenty eighth point in the way that, or not the twenty eighth, technically the six before it, but they scored it in the way that I think is most frustrating to see when a quarterback has the guts with the sixteen second mark to find somebody in the end zone. That's confidence. Aaron Rodgers is playing with so much of it right now; it's oozing out of him. And if I was a Packers fan, this would be super exciting. But I'm not, and I don't like this at all. I just can't wait for the Mitch Trubisky game, guys. It's coming. Here it comes, my friend. He's going to Detroit. Isn't that next week? No, it's (laughs) going to happen again. Two weeks in a row, my friend. Two and oh. Well, not to be Debbie Downer here, but Mitch Trubisky's uh, career against the Packers is the worst on his ledger. He's got a, or he's got less than five (laughs) yards. Like, he's got less than five. I'm being facetious and Robert's getting off. I'm only getting hopped up because I just talked about this this morning on Twitter where Trubisky's airnet yards per attempt under Nagy against the Packers. That's four games, not a small sample size. is less than five yards. That's 4.82 airnet yards per attempt. He has been bad with an underline and a capital B against the Packers. And for, the, sorry. Yeah. Oh, for, for him to get thrown in now is just almost cruel on his part, where now he gets to play with even less offensive line. He doesn't have a release valve in Cohen. He gets a formerly concussed David Montgomery that's only just recently gotten cleared. He gets a brand new play caller that doesn't know him for Jack, and as much as people would say, like, oh, well, Matt Nagy didn't exactly help him either, go back and rewatch the 2019 games, because he did everything he could to adjust around Trubisky, and I will hear nothing else. And they were still through the film myself. terrible. They were still terrible. I mean, this is... This is cruel to play Mitch in this game. Like, it'd be cruel to play Nick Foles. Somebody has to play. But it's, I mean, it's one of those All where... All I'm hearing is the pining for, for Wildcat every play. 
Well, that didn't work either, did it? Yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Guys, can we just sign Taysom Hill this offseason? That's all I want. No, because he's still signed with the Saints. Oh, did he? I thought it was a one-year $15 no, million deal, not a two. Deal. It spikes well, up to $16 million next year, doesn't it? Yep, they got their franchise. Well, well soak nope. that one up. Taysom uh, train. <laughs> we are officially Taysom fans on this podcast, just to let you know. My jersey will be here any day. Did you buy a Taysom Hill jersey? No, but I need to. I need to after after yeah, buying in, a Taysom Hill jersey is a worse investment than a Mitch Trubisky jersey at this point in time. Well, that any touchdown bet you made, Brandon. For those of you who don't know, Brandon's an avid better, and he is way better at it than I am. That one you had on Patterson, I don't know how they left that up there. Like the odds um, on Patterson scoring a, a touchdown. Twenty-two and a half. His rushing total was twenty-two and a half. Yeah, he uh, could. They thought Ryan Nall was going to have more yards than Cordell Patterson. Crazy. Ryan Nall had zero. zero I will have no touchdown. disrespect of the great white truth zero. on this podcast. All he's done this season is lost a yard and blow a drive. <laughs> what, oh, no. Robert, no, what did I deep. just say? No right. besmirchment of Ryan Nall. All right. Well, the great. You can besmirch every other player on this roster. You will not besmirch an Oregon State Beaver. The Nolly Trolley just keeps on chucking. The Nolly right. Trolley! But so, I mean, yeah, I think it's about time for final thoughts, guys. My final thought about this, uh, we'll call it this game is I'm always excited to create Bears content, but I definitely can tell you guys very motivation fluctuates up and down depending on whether there's anything positive to talk about because I don't like being negative. I, I think it's important for positive people like myself to be negative when necessary so that you can hear it from somebody that has said all the nice stuff. But right now, the Bears seem like they're in the worst possible predicament where every loss helps every win hurts and that comes off the assumption just to be plain as day it comes off the assumption that they're not going to win more than three games that maybe if they win four they squeeze into the playoffs and don't do anything but that these problems on this offense are not fixable easily that a lot of the problems on this offense come from talent necessitating i actually think there's a a strong argument that paces more in need of replacing than Nagy is, and that's not even me trying to somehow say Nagy's a great guy, more that this offensive plan is terrible. As a reminder, we we traded a fourth-round pick for one of the most immobile quarterbacks in the NFL and decided that $70 million needed to go to a third-edge rusher before it could go to an actual starting right guard, and that instead a reclamation project for vet minimum was good enough, and it might have been good enough for OL6, but as a starter with Rashad Coward as OL6, you've got to be kidding me. Like, hey, it this is ridiculous. Out. It checks I out. I mean, it's standard pace. Uh, but so at this point, I see the Bears as needing to shake things up. And they can't do that without clear answers. Best way to get clear answers, just keep losing. It's an answer. And it says everything's bad and you got to start over. What do you do at 8-8? Eight and eight? Who do you let go? Do you make this a slow and painful transition like the Falcons just had with Dan Quinn, where they threw away Matt Ryan's 36-year-old season for fun, just keeping him around? I mean, we don't want to be that organization. This podcast is pro-championship. 
And while I've been on the record saying I like winning, just win games. We tried it. We got our five, and I'm not so sure we can get any others except for maybe the Lions who find a way. They find inventive ways to lose, uh, and I, I don't understand it. But I guess my final thought for this one is Bears fans, close your eyes. Like, this Packers game's going to hurt. <laughs> and there, there's no – I mean, we've lived through it before. It's going to probably feel – similar to the Tressman one without the score looking quite the same. And uh, I'm ready for it to be over, but I'll be right there with y'all. That's at least where I'm at. Yeah. You want me to go first, B? You want to go? I'll go. Go ahead. Um, First off, bet the Packers minus eight and a half because they're going to destroy the Bears. Be happy that you're one step closer to Zach Wilson and be happy you're one step closer to Ryan Pace being fired. If they somehow pull out a victory, forget that you lost money, and be happy that they beat the Packers. That's all I have. Yeah, for me, a lot of how I've been talking this show, as I kind of did in our little Twitter chat, I'm really just apathetic toward this team because it's so hard not to be. Robert said he's going through some highs and lows. I enjoy football. And I go back to when I first started dating my lovely fiance that she's like, oh, are you a Bears fan? I go, yeah, but I'm a football fan who likes the Bears is the better way to describe me. And she goes, well, why is that? And I go, well, I just can't let the Bears ruin my damn Sundays. (laughs) And it's such – it feels like it's come all the way full circle back to that where the Bears are a part of my football Sundays and do I make a point to watch them? Yes. Do I really get upset about it or too happy anymore? Not really. It's hard to. How can you come to that with this with this regime, especially when it just feels like every year is the same song and dance since the first year of Nike, and then going back to Tressman, and then, you know, so on and so forth. It's it, This Sunday could very well hurt. I think it's going to hurt for the other reasons, that you're just going to keep feeling like if they could just score one time or two times, if they could just do that, life would be a lot easier. At this point, the best thing to do is probably lose out, get your chance at a quarterback who maybe falls, or if you really want to go get somebody and you really love him, go ahead, go get him. But it can't I, – I've kind of reached the conclusion for a guy who really did love Matt Nagy and really wanted Matt Nagy and used to defend Pace an awful lot too. You come to a certain point where you watch it and there's just too many sins that have been committed over and over and over again. At this point, you're probably better off wiping the slate clean, seeing where this the rest of the season goes. I'm not even convinced that if they go seven to nine or eight and eight, that if they miss the playoffs with how they handled this off season, because they showed they were in win now mode with how they handled the off season. If if they miss the playoffs, I would not be shocked if my if not Michael McCaskey, Jordan McCaskey, fires everybody and does it all again. And unfortunately, I've said this about the White Sox organization, the Bulls organization, though I think the Bulls might be turning a corner. Only time will tell with them. At a certain point, it the fish rots at the head. It's not going to be the guy running the football team. It's the guy who owns the football team. And things may not ever change until you get a change in ownership, unfortunately. Yep. And that that won't happen for a while. We need a score prediction. Oh God, I don't do score predictions really, but uh, I'll hold true spot. to it. I'll say twenty four thirteen Packers. 
I, I think, Brandon, that yours, I, I keep thinking 30s to low 10s, except mine was even worse. It was like 30 to 9. Uh, so, like, we don't even get into the end zone. But who knows? Maybe maybe we pick up a pass. This Bears defense has not been super reliable about turnovers, but you never know. You never it's know. It's not a reliable metric, though. We don't have Leonard Floyd to play his super game against the Packers anymore. So we have to live without it somehow. Um it's, but yeah. it's just such a far place that we've come to from the five on one start to now where it's like I think we all kind of were cautiously optimistic but kind of knew with how the offense was trending where you're like Yeah, but Yeah, mm-hmm. but So you know and how eventually uh, the butts catch up. Right. You know how uh, in that movie Sully, like the engine blows out but the plane can still glide? You know? <laughs> And so yeah. he's able to he's able to land the plane. The hope was sitting at five and one that eventually the engines were going to blow out, but we can glide at five hundred football all the way into a brand new tomorrow. At least that was my hope. Was okay. You can you can win one of your three games against the Titans, the Rams, and the Saints. And unfortunately, literally all of them were quite winnable games. But they the offense didn't bother to show up for two of them. And in the other one, they came up a play away. It happens. That's football. Uh, but that meant that they were vacant on two of them, lost all three, and put themselves in a bad spot only to get embarrassed by the Vikings. A literal must win at that point. This is bad. They cut the wings off the plane. It just started falling out of the sky. <laughs> just dive into the water. Just dive into the water. That, that's where I'm sitting. It's I like, mean, the the <laughs> best part to your to like at least that ship had that that plane had Sully in our little analogy here. Right. Our plane has right. a Sully. It's Roquan Smith becoming the guy that they thought he was going to be. I thought it was Tyler Bray. He's our Sully. Oh, I forgot about Tyler Bray. How dare I? Turn it up. Here we go. Tyler Bray season. Tyler Bray has something I never will. He has completed a pass in the NFL, and I give much respect to that. Uh, but, yeah, he's probably not the best solution long term. Though, I mean, hey, he's taxied along the practice squad for long enough. He may have more veterancy than Mr. Trubisky does at this point. You, you never know. One more, one more season of watching on the bench. That could be all Bray needs. I mean, we go back to the old school adage, sit them on the bench, they'll learn something, because that's clearly how Aaron Rodgers became Aaron Rodgers. It's just because the three is the best thing. But, yeah, anyways, y'all, that is going to be about it for us, I would imagine, here at Rule of Three. Yet another awesome conversation we got to have about the Bears. We would love to hear any listener feedback one way or another. Too negative, too positive, on the nose, way off. Just let us know at... Uh, from my end, I'm or you can find me over on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-D-Z. Danny, let the folks know. I can be found on Twitter at Dan, M is in Mary, E-E-H-A-N, the numerals 9-0, and you can tell me how much I suck. I appreciate it. And Brandon? I am at NFL. Thank you guys so much for Follow listening. Him for his weekly player prop thread. Yep. New week, same dance. Hashtag Deontay Johnson. Not this <laughs> Not this week. Not this week. We're off the ship. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, new week, new dance. Damn.
But yeah, so yeah, everybody have a absolutely phenomenal Thanksgiving. Stay safe as much as you can amidst everything that's going on in the world. And one way or another, we will be back here ready to talk about the Bears next week. And until then, friends, have a great week, and Deuces. we'll talk to you soon. Lay her down.